poppin' the Christian bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by independent financial planner Adam Peak. Join us as we provide commentary at the intersection of culture, tech, and faith. Elon Musk makes an appearance on SNL. A bobcat attack is caught on video. Bieber comes out with his most Christian album yet. Casey Kasem, he's still on the radio even though he's dead? We cover the most recent Apple event with tons of new stuff coming out. And then we also catch up on our space news. There is a ton of space news. And finally, we talk about fear, the fear of not having enough. All this and more coming up on today's episode of the Cultured Christian Podcast. Well, here we are, friends, once again together, thanks to technology, one of the things that we love to talk about here on the podcast. I'm so glad that you tuned in to this episode 33. We got two threes side by side, and we are super geeked as usual, and there is tons to talk about. I guess one good thing about not coming out weekly with episodes is by the time we get around to an episode, there is just a lot of content and a lot of things, so... Maybe that ends up being a good thing for your time, that you get more in each episode than if we were just, you know, bringing out episodes every week with just a little bit of information. So I'm going to try to be the optimist there and uh, believe that is what's going on. A little bit of housekeeping news at the front end of this episode. We have done away with our Reddit page and going to focus more on our Instagram and Facebook content. As always, we ask for you guys to help us get the word out, man. When you're on our Facebook or you're on our Instagram, the more you like things, the more it shows up in people's feeds. That's just how the algorithms go. You guys know that, being techies. But I just appreciate your help, those of you who are doing that. And those of you who aren't yet, um, please help us get the word out by sharing this podcast with others. And again, liking our pages, reviewing us specifically on the Apple Podcasts app and Google's uh, version of that. Uh, gets gets it out into a lot more of people's ears. And man, let's just shout out for a minute our last episode uh, where we talked about what makes uh, strong men, that interview with Kirk Miller. Man, I don't I, I'm still thinking about that uh, discussion. I think again, it's such a broad and complex topic that how could one conversation even begin to touch the surface of it or, dive to the depths of that challenge in our country and in our world of masculinity and where all that's going. And so uh, if you missed last time, episode 32, I encourage you to go back and check that out. And again, I'm just going to say it as um, we do at the end of each episode. But again, if you're checking us out for the first time this episode 33, or maybe you've listened to a few be sure and scroll down and go back to our catalog of 33 full episodes. We have a bunch of bonus episodes and different things we've tried over the last year, but be sure to check out all of the episodes in our catalog, all right? So that out of the way, let's dive into this week's culture section. Do you guys watch Saturday Night Live? I'll be an honest person and just say I don't m watch it much anymore. And really, that started long before it got political. That's kind of the thing a lot of people don't like about it today. These days, the last few years, it's been very political and really, again, anti one particular side. But I really didn't watch SNL even before that became the critique. I just feel like the 
most recent um, iterations, casts, um, haven't been that much funny to me. I, I compare it to the 90s back when I watched it more regularly as a teenager. And I just think that the cast back then was just so much funnier than the crew is today. And that's part of the major critique with culture in general when it comes to comedy is the more that people become offended by things and the more that we just become really focused on what we can say and what's outlawed and not allowed to say, then it makes comedy uh, much more challenging to be funny. And so I think there's some of that. But again, I'm not really connecting much with the cast members. But I did tune in last night uh, to check out a guy who we talk about a lot on the podcast. We'll mention him later when we talk about space. But Elon Musk made his first and probably only appearance on Saturday Night Live. Did you guys catch that, out, catch that episode of SNL? It was uh, very interesting. I thought uh, my first thought going into it was, you know, they had Miley Cyrus on as the a musical guest and she actually opened the show with this Mother's Day tribute which was nice it was fine it was something you know kind of common I'd seen that before um, so it wasn't until about eight minutes into the episode where Elon took the stage and did his monologue and he actually brought out his mother which uh, was cute and again fit the episode well um, the, the highlights for me, it was interesting to hear him say, uh, I guess the news was saying today that he had never said he has Asperger's and yet he took that platform to say that for the first time, uh, in that large of a public forum. And so I think that's really cool and should be, um, called out as a way to go like that just again, normalizes and brings awareness to those who have Asperger's. So I thought that was really, really cool. Not surprisingly, he was his normal robotic uh, self up there. And again, some of the Asperger's, I think, is is part of that reason. But it's he's an interesting character to listen to and to watch his body language and mannerisms and all that stuff. So so that was interesting. Um, but, you know, about 10, I don't know, 15 minutes into the episode, I just started to have the itch to turn it off. I was, again, not laughing at the jokes. I just felt like it was really awkward at times and so I think I made it a full half an hour into the episode before I just again it's there's other things I have limited free time to watch uh, shows with so I just you know clicked out of it so anyways my thoughts on Elon on SNL is SNL still sucks <laughs> even with somebody as unique and interesting as him on the show um, after the monologue, I was pretty bored and ready to, uh, ready to turn it off. So what did you guys think? I'd love to hear in the comments if you watched, uh, SNL, what do you think? All right. Speaking of things to watch, have you watched this video coming out of North Carolina where there was this couple that came face to face with a rabid bobcat in their driveway? This is one of those insane caught on film, caught on video clips that just blows you away. I was talking with a friend recently. It's just insane when you think about the ring video door cams or the, you know, security cam footage. There are so many things being caught on film now that never were seen before. And so this poor couple was up at like seven in the morning, going to take their cat to um, the vet, the husband's, you know, taking the trash out or whatever. And suddenly this bobcat comes out of nowhere uh, and attacks this woman. She, he just goes after her, the, the, uh, the bobcat. And the most interesting part was the husband 
uh, grabbed the bobcat just like you would with a normal cat, like kind of by the fur above its neck, and then just tosses it like through the air. And you see this all on the video. The link will be in our in our uh, show notes there. But she is just getting pulverized by the um, bobcat. And they talk about like they had a fair amount of um, injuries they had to go to the hospital for. Uh, and they're going to take all these shots, 30 shots at the time of this article's writing because of the it, it had, you know, rabies. So it was rabbit. It had rabies in it. And so, um, man, but if you haven't seen this clip, you've got to see it to believe it. It's just one of those insane things caught on film uh, with their security camera. You may not realize, but at times I've tried to get celebrities to uh, join us on the program and one single celebrity more so than ever, and that is Justin Bieber. We've talked about Justin Bieber a fair amount on the show here. I think it's safe to say that we are a fan. Again, not so much because we love his music when he was a little prepubescent boy um, and sounded like a female, um, but just as we've seen, and I'm speaking in we, I have seen over the years uh, his faith develop and his maturity develop. I think that um, he has seen and interacted with the world in a very unique way. Maybe something that we can't relate to because of us not being celebrities. But it's a very well-worn path that we've seen celebrities go down where they finally get to the end of it, where there's nothing, you know, it's empty, it's lonely, um, you know, it just doesn't lead to anything good. And I think in the last few years, we've seen that come out in his music. But what's great is I've watched his faith go from a faith in God to a faith in Jesus and a faith uh, that's very personal. You know, before it was more about God and everybody else, and now it's become him and what Jesus is doing in his life. And the most recent example of that, which I had to shout out here in the program, was his Freedom LP. It's only like five or six songs, and he released it strategically on Easter Sunday. And if you haven't heard this thing, I genuinely think it is amazing. It is really well done. Some of the best that I've seen out of Bieber. And for me, again, it's because he is, um, I use the term coming out, um, but just being more public and more uh, honest about his faith and the, the not always perfect faith, just struggling through it, uh, mystery and doubt and all that stuff. Again, he's not a perfect guy. You, you still see videos and recent things he's done where, yeah, you can't get behind that. But I think celebrities, man, again, we set them up on this such a high pedestal that we just love to see them fall or love to see them, um, you know, disappoint. And so anyways, if you haven't listened to the new Freedom album, I encourage you to do it because I think it'll encourage your faith to see how God is moving and God is working in his life. He did a a few um, collaborations, uh, one of which with Judah Smith, a pastor um, on the West Coast up in Seattle. And so his voice is on there literally preaching. And then the other highlight, I think, is L Justin Bieber at the end of one of the songs is actually praying for you, praying for whoever's listening to that song. And um, I again, I just think, when when have we seen that from him? And how much impact is that God is using that with literally millions and millions of people who follow his music and have followed and are fans of him? Now that that platform is being used to speak the name of Jesus, I mean, that is far more. He is reaching far more in that one album than I will reach in probably three lifetimes. That's the thing that I... Um, 
think is amazing. So check it out if you haven't. So I had a listener uh, mention to me that they had heard Casey Kasem on the radio. You know, that uh, series that he is famous for. Maybe some of you younger listeners don't know Casey Kasem, but those of you older ones will know that name. Uh, he was the host for the long-standing show of American Top 40, the top Billboard 40 songs uh, of the week. And so you could hear this weekly show and count down the songs. And so instead of your Spotify updating literally every minute, millisecond, it was like a weekly rotation of the top 40 songs. And that ran from July 4th, 1970, all the way to August 6th, 1988. And then there's some turnover and changes. And then he came back on, uh, Kasem retired and came back and did nine more years uh, hosting his own countdown called Casey's Top 40. Um, and then it was in 2004 that a guy you might recognize this name, younger audience, uh, Ryan Seacrest of American Idol fame, took it over uh, in 2004. And so nowadays, I guess I had, I had to do a little research here because it really is a satellite radio thing. I'm assuming that's where this person heard uh, Casey Kasem's voice. Um, but there now is some 70s and 80s um, replays going on. And so every weekend you can listen to uh, past Casey Kasem hosted shows from the 70s and 80s. So I'm guessing that's what you heard. You were probably in the middle of one of those. But I understand how that would be a little confusing because he died a number of years ago. Um, so how can a dead man be producing or on a show? Um, he died back in 2014. So that's, gosh, eight years ago now. I didn't think it was that long ago. But um, yeah, so I think that's why uh, his voice was on there. And he has a crazy good um, radio voice. If he had been around for podcasting, I guarantee you Casey Kasem would have had his own podcast because that voice is sweet like butter as they say in the biz so yeah that's i think why you were hearing him so i am a reader in addition to all the screen stuff uh, my grandmother got me into reading at a very young age and i really really actually appreciate that i can see that all the way back through uh, first grade second grade that i got into reading and find the value in reading so i'm one of these again Guys who doesn't fit in the labels, a uh, simple set of labels, as I say a lot. And so I love my screen time. I love my technology, but I also love cracking open a book, whether it's a physical book or a Kindle book. Either way, I love reading and kind of my normal flow, if you will, is to read right before bed. I think that's an awesome transition from colored screens and all the videos and images and stuff that just keep you up to go read a book in a slower uh, pace, in a slower format, and processing information that way. And so I've read two books recently. Uh, it was kind of one of those things where I loved both of them so much that I read them through very fast. They weren't large books to begin with. But that tends to be my norm. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. But it's like, yeah, generally, if I like a book, man, I can't wait to get to the bedroom each night to continue reading it. But if it's a book that I'm kind of bored with or not into the topic, then, uh, yeah, it takes me a little longer to finish that, uh, that book for obvious reasons. And so the two books I want to mention, one is called The Wisdom Pyramid. I think I've mentioned that a few times in the podcast, but I did finish that. 
and highly, highly recommend uh, the Wisdom Pyramid. It really is a great metaphor uh, coming from the Food Pyramid from years gone by where it kind of flips on the head uh, what our common thought is or what most of us think of the kind of food that we eat and the nutritional value that we draw from the food, how much quantity-wise we should be eating of, let's say, grains, bread, uh, versus things like fruit or vegetables, uh, versus like sugars or candy, all that kind of stuff. And so the food pyramid put it in a very easy-to-digest, pun intended, um, image. And so the wisdom pyramid is that same concept only with information that there is a pyramid, if you will, at the top being the most small amount that we should be bringing in all the way to the bottom, the foundation. And so uh, it's great. It's one of those things that's still challenging me. I still need to continue to think through uh, a strategy because I think the points he makes in the book about us dealing with as humans more information than ever and the stuff that we're, you know, overloaded with, empathy overload, we just have too much happening that it's just, you know, our brain isn't able to sort through all that stuff. So I think that he makes a really great case in that book on how to deal with it. He gives us some practical ideas on how to deal with that. And so check out the Wisdom Pyramid. I believe it's Brett McCracken is the author. We'll put the link in the show notes. So the second book I read was by a guy named Donald Miller. Um, he was mostly made famous uh, to most of our ears from a, a book called Blue Like Jazz, which uh, I encourage, again, if you've never heard of that book, maybe our younger readers, go back and read that. Blue Like Jazz is a great read. It is uh, kind of like an unconventional path to Christianity, kind of breaks a lot of the quote-unquote norms and pathways of Christians. And so that's a great read. And so is Scary Close, his uh, one of his more recent books. I don't think it's his most, most recent book. He's got into a lot of business stuff, business consulting. He's just doing a lot, a, a lot of things, which is great. But Scary Close um, talks about a topic that we actually value, a stated value on our podcast here, which is authenticity. And so Scary Close is all about relationships and not just intimate relationships like a spouse or dating relationship. That is a big part of what he talks about in the book, but it is uh, applicable to all relationships, whether it be working relationships, friendships, family relationships, that sort of thing. And he talks about, again, the correlation between being super close with someone and the level of vulnerability and authenticity. And so if you haven't read Scary Close and you want a book on how to improve your relationships, I highly recommend uh, Scary Close is a great, uh, a great book as well for you to check out. Finally, in our culture section, I have to share with you something from the Oscars. Now, if you've heard anything about the Oscars, you probably heard that, well, they suck because <laughs> it is, again, one of those things in culture that has just been destroyed with so much of the politics and the issues and the media and all the stuff. I'm not going into that today, but the numbers are in the tank, and I, as a movie person, just have no desire to watch the Oscars anymore. First off, it's so freaking long, like... It's kind of like a basketball game like you really just need to watch the last 20 minutes anyways because that's when they do the awards that you recognize like best picture best actor best supporting actress that sort of thing 
Um, but I heard and saw something tweeted, uh, I believe, in the social media realm from the Oscars that I thought was so great and so redeemable that I uh, tweeted it, posted it, all that stuff. And so it comes from Tyler Perry um, was given an award. He accepts the um, he, a humanitarian award at the Oscars and gives this amazing three-minute speech. And I'm actually going to play it for you here just mainly because I think it's that great and so timely for where we're at as a culture and as a society. It speaks to a lot of the issues that we're facing today, issues of division, issues of race, issues of, gosh, just so many ways that we're being pulled in a thousand directions. And he, in three minutes, just sums it up uh, super succinctly, super well, and challenges us uh, to refuse hate and, and to do our part. So check this out. I hope I'm not uh, going to be sued for using this audio, but uh, check out this uh, clip from Tyler Perry at the Oscars. Thank you. That is uh, that's incredibly kind. Thank you so much. They only gave me a few minutes, so I, I want to say a very special thanks to Ms. Viola Davis, who is nominated tonight in doing this. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. To uh, the Board of Governors, especially to Whoopi Goldberg, Ava. You know, when I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody at their humanity. Like, uh, case in point, this one time, I remember I was, maybe it was about 17 years ago, I rented this building and we were using it for production. And I was walking to my car one day and I see this woman coming up out of the corner of my eye and I say, mm, she's homeless, let me give her some money. Judgment, I wish I had time to talk about judgment. Anyway, I reach in my pocket and I'm about to give her the money. She says, excuse me, sir, do you have any shoes? It stopped me cold because I remember being homeless and having one pair of shoes and they were bent over at the heels. So I was like, yeah. So I took her into, into the studio. She was hesitant to go in, but we went in. We go to wardrobe, and there are all these boxes and everything around the walls and fabrics and racks of clothes. So we ended up having to stand in the middle of the floor. So as we're standing there, we, I, wardrobe, we find some shoes. We help her put them on. I stand up. I'm waiting for her to look up. And all this time, she's looking down. She finally looks up. She's got tears in her eyes. She said, thank you, Jesus. My feet are off the ground. In that moment, I, I just I, I recall her saying to me, I thought you would hate me for asking. I'm like, how can I hate you when I used to be you? How can I hate you when I had a mother who grew up in a Jim Crow South in Louisiana, a rural Louisiana, right across the border from Mississippi, who at nine or 10 years old was grieving the death of Emmett Till. As she got a little bit older, she was grieving the death of the civil rights boys and the, the little girls who were in the bombing in Alabama. She grieved all this all these years. And I remember being a little boy and coming home, and she was at home, like, what are you doing at home? You're supposed to be at work. She was in tears that day. She said there was a bomb threat, and she couldn't believe that someone wanted to blow up this place where she worked, where she took care of all these toddlers. It was the Jewish Community Center. My mother taught me to refuse hate. She taught me to refuse blanket judgment. And in this time, and with uh, all of the internet and social media and algorithms and everything that wants us to think a certain way, the 24-hour news cycle, it is my hope that all of us would teach our kids, and not only to remember, just refuse hate. Don't hate anybody. I, I, I refuse to hate someone because they are Mexican or because they are black or white or LBGTQ. I refuse to hate someone because they are a police officer. I refuse to hate someone because they are Asian. I would hope that we would refuse hate. And I want to take this Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award and dedicate it to anyone who wants to stand in the middle 
no matter what's around the wall, stand in the middle, because that's where healing happens. That's where conversation happens. That's where change happens. It happens in the middle. So anyone who wants to meet me in the middle to refuse hate, to refuse blanket judgment, and to help lift someone's feet off the ground, this one is for you too. God bless you and thank you, Academy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Meet us in the middle to refuse hate. I love it, guys. It's almost like this is a concept we've talked about. The messy middle, meeting in the middle versus fighting those two extremes, the polarized opposite corners that the media tells us you have to think A or B. That's never going to do anything but divide us. You name the issue. It's always going to create a minimum of two groups and two ways of thinking about a topic. And Tyler says and suggests what I have said here before the messy middle in the middle is where we have those conversations to bring about lasting uh, and real change, right? Longer than a tweet, longer than a day even of conversation. If we want to make change that lasts for years, for decades, we have to have those longer conversations in the middle. And it takes humility and it takes a leaning in, a listening posture. That's the way that we're going to move forward in some of these issues in our country. This time in tech, we are talking Apple, which is somewhat common on this uh, podcast. You know I'm an Apple fanboy. There is no denying it, but why would I? Apple is one of the greatest tech companies on the planet. So they had a recent event, one that got delayed by at least a month, and this was one of those Apple events that did not disappoint. Pretty much in every way, every leak, came out in one event like we saw a bunch of things that were um, planned and talked about and in this one event they had everything so let's go over uh, some of the things that came out and I'll give commentary on each one so the first one which I do have in my pocket is AirTags. AirTags is one of the new products that has been rumored for, gosh, two years now, since 2019, I believe. These AirTags have been in the conversation, in the tech world. I believe I've mentioned them here on the podcast, but if you've ever had a tile tracker, a little Bluetooth tracker, then you know what Apple just created because that is pretty much what an AirTag is. The unique aspect of Apple AirTags is obviously it uses Apple's system, which is already built into your phone, your Find My app. Some of you, like me, use it to find your friends or your family members, but you can also use it now to find different items. You can take an AirTag, for example, the two uses that I've used them for, is I have one in my backpack, which is you know where I put all my toys, all my expensive gear. It's kind of my man purse, you could say. I have one in there, and then you label it on your phone as a backpack. And so now when I go out into the world, if I set my backpack down in a mall and I leave it there for some reason, which is rare for me, uh, I can go home now and pull open my phone, and it will find the location of the backpack. Now the caveat is, is it's using anonymous data from everybody's iPhone, and this is like billions of phones, which is why it's so much better of a system than Tile, is uh, it's pinging people's phones. So as people walk by my bag in that mall, 
it's finding the phone. You also have the ability to make a noise. So if it's hidden under a couch or something, or you're kind of trying to locate it in a room, you can ping it and make some noise, uh, which is an awesome feature again. Uh, there also is a, an ability to find it using uh, your phone. So it'll use like AR and the U1 chip. If you have like the 11, iPhone 11 or later, iPhone 11 or 12, it has the U1 chip in it. So it can get down to like a really small distance of like where it is. And it's kind of like a little, um, a little scavenger hunt with your phone. I played around with it a bunch. So that's fun. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the main features. There's also a lost and found feature. So if you have genuinely lost it and it's not showing up, you can mark it as lost. And so that will make it pop up, I believe, on other people's screens. And maybe every hour, I believe, it makes a noise on its own. So you can put uh, also flash your phone number on there, your name and phone number. So when people do find an AirTag, um, they can find you. And so <clears throat> I think that's pretty cool. It obviously is not perfect, guys, for a number of reasons. If someone finds my backpack, they don't know that there's a little AirTag hidden in it. So that's... Some people's philosophy is you need to put a bag tag on even a backpack so people can see that it's clearly something, you know, some way to find it and get it back to its owner, kind of like luggage tags do. You want air tags to kind of be a digital bag tag. So if no one sees it, they're just not going to know. There's no way they're going to interact with the, the tag inside of your bag. The other thing is, is if you live in a rural area, kind of similar to where I live, a smaller town, it may be harder to uh, pick up because there's not as many people coming by the device. Um, I still found it in my town a bunch of times here. So I think there's enough iPhones in my town still to ping it. And uh, it's also, I think, using your iPad if you have one or your MacBook as well. Um, so there's other devices around that are helping uh, locate it as well. So that's AirTags. That's by far the most new uh, thing that came out in the Apple event. Next up, we got an Apple TV 4K is getting the new A12 Bionic chip. And yeah, it's basically going to be faster, better, you know, the typical upgrade here. Uh, I don't need this because I have the Apple 4K, uh, which is working fine. I don't use it for anything other than streaming. But here's the great news from the Apple TV announcement is there is a new Apple TV remote. They're no longer calling it the Siri remote. They're just calling it Apple TV remote, I guess. Um, but man, I am super excited and did order one of these. It's not released yet, so I have to wait another week or two. But it looks super awesome. The small little glass top uh, Apple controller that we had, Apple TV controller that I have currently is super small, really hard to find. And just the, the swipe, well, I appreciate the little touch screen. It just doesn't work well. It just doesn't. Uh, I often find myself flying over apps or, you know, clicking the wrong direction. And so the new one has more of a circular design that has a click uh, left and right and top and up and down, as well as a touch screen in the center. And it just looks like it's more thought out. It, it's like a combination of the last two Apple TV remotes. And so I'm super excited about the remote. It sounds like that's what other people are as well. It got more uh, excitement behind it because it's, again, a new thing from Apple. It's not something that is just uh, an upgraded hardware, hard drive, like it's actual updated hardware. So that was super cool. 
the uh, the other thing that they announced was a purple iPhone, which okay, cool. Uh, moving on, <laughs> like I guess if that's your thing, go for it. But it's kind of, eh. Um, they did redesign the iMac, which has an M1 chip. Now this is again getting into the last two big announcements, which they completely redesigned the iMac. So they're going back to like when I was just finishing high school, they had, remember the colored Macs, like the glass dome looking things. I mean, they weren't glass, they were plastic, but they were super bright green, bright blue, bright pink. Um, they went with that kind of thing. So they're going back to the super colorful um, look, which I don't really get. I think it's kind of silly and gimmicky, but okay, Apple, you're, you're trying something here. Um, but what's really unique is how thin it is. This thing looks like an iPad Pro from the side. It is champered edges, really thin. It does have a, um, a, what do you call that? I'm almost forgetting the name because I haven't used one in so long. The headphone jack. It has a headphone jack on the side. But other than that, the ports are on the back. And it's got this really cool thing that someone thought through where you plug the back of the computer uh, you plug the power into the back of the computer and it runs down the back to the floor and that's where there's one of those power bricks and instead of putting the ethernet cable if you need one most people use Wi-Fi but if you need an ethernet cable you don't plug it into the back of the computer you plug it into the back of the power brick and then it goes up with the power to the back of the computer so I think that's really innovative and, and totally Apple to put all of them into one strand one cord so it's nice and clean going up to your uh, computer in the back because these are not meant to be like mobile this is something that you would just leave at your home um, so I, I should have said at the start but man this is one of those Apple events where I pretty much want everything like I I have an old 2015 uh, MacBook Pro is actually what I'm running this podcast off of it runs great but it's clearly um, getting to that point where they're no longer going to update it uh, with the new software coming up so that's where it starts to become an issue so I would love to get one of these in my studio and use it for, um, you know, home stuff, including the podcast production. So if any of you want to sponsor a new computer, that would be awesome. But um, but yeah, so these look really cool. They have a liquid liquid retina XDR display. Um, Actually, no, the iMacs don't. That's getting ahead into the iPad. But these uh, Macs look really, really futuristic. They're super thin, upgraded front-facing camera for uh, your Zoom calls. It's got a larger 24-inch screen, comes in seven different colors. There's a couple different versions of keyboards and, and mice for this. So, again, super looking, cool-looking, innovative new product from Apple and last but certainly not least, another item that I did order and I'm hoping to receive this Friday, which is the new iPad Pros. Yes, these things are beasts. The reason why is because they have the new M1 chip. The M1 chip is Apple Silicon, meaning it doesn't have Intel. Again, going back to the old days, Apple wants to create the entire user experience, the software, the hardware, all of it working best together. And so they found a way to develop their own uh, chips, which gives them, again, much more ability to do deeper dives into the battery settings and just the efficiency of the chip. 
And so that's what all the feedback has been. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of these out in the world, but all the rumors and the Geekbench stuff scores says that these things are going to run like double as fast. Like these new iPads are supposed to be twice as fast as last year's model. Just one year ago, 2020, they've doubled the speed and the efficiency of these things. And then the other big thing about the 12.9 inch is that it's going to have a liquid retina XDR display. That means it's going to have 10,000 mini LEDs lighting that baby up. So I cannot wait to see how much of a difference, how much of a better screen. I mean, it's like someone said, these screens aren't bad to begin with, but to take it up to that next level plus the M1 chip, I mean, I'm just expecting to have my mind blown when I finally get this thing uh, in my hands. And so hopefully this week we're going to see some reviews come out uh, as well as, you know, people getting them in their hands beginning this Friday and hopefully myself. So yeah, that is the Apple event. If you guys haven't gone back and looked into that, um, there is some really killer new products there. If you're looking to spend some money, uh, you have the opportunity to give Apple some more money. Okay, where are my Spotify fans out there? If you guys are anything like me, Spotify is one of those uh, subscriptions that you hang on to even though you don't use it very often. I talk about music a little bit on the podcast here. As always, we say we need to talk about it more as it is a big part of culture and technology. And here's an example with Spotify creating its first device. So there is a device, a gadget made by Spotify called CarThing. Yes, you heard me correct. In some board meeting somewhere, they launched this product and they're like, what are we going to call this thing? And they're like, car thing. Why? Because it's a thing and we put it in your car. Um, so it's a dedicated Bluetooth connected device that displays the song that's playing or the artist that's playing and the next up kind of in your library. It has a voice activated system. So just like your uh, Echo devices at home or your Googles, you can talk to it and basically very easily get music to play. Um, it does require a phone, which to me is where this product starts to get a little messy, a little muddy for me, is most of us who have cell phones with decent data plans, we're already streaming through Bluetooth through our phones. So this to me creates yet another device, and I don't necessarily know the need for that if you have a phone, but um, I guess for people who listen to tons of music and in tons of Spotify, it's kind of cool to have a... Um, dedicated device. It comes with a 12 volt adapter that you need to plug into a USB-C or USB-A cable. And so, yeah, I think this is kind of interesting, um, but I don't know if it's something that I would even be interested in because, like I said, I feel like the phone is your all-in-one device. So maybe if you're somebody who drives for Uber and you got your phone using Waze or Google Maps and you want to have this other device controlling your music to the right, the guys over at The Verge who reviewed this said that it's probably going to be more for people who don't have more modern cars. Like you kind of have an old car with an old entertainment system in there. And so those of you who just listen to the radio, this might be an option to kind of replace just radio listening. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Older car, uh, radio listeners seems like a real niche market. I don't know how far they're going to get with this. I kind of feel like it's one of those things in six months it will be pulled and no one will even have these. So interesting. So would you guys be getting that? A car thing? Question mark.
Let's talk about robocalls. How many of you get robocalls throughout your week? These annoying things that pop up on your phone and hopefully you're not answering them, giving them any sort of credit card information or leaking any sort of stuff to these guys because they are nothing but scammers. Usually from other countries, they're using our cell phone number to fish us basically to show us like a zip code that's close to us or in our, our city. And so I love my iPhone. Again, if you don't know, there's a way to silence calls that aren't in your contacts. So it goes right to voicemail if it's not somebody in your contacts. Love that for this feature alone. Uh, it is it is really, really cool. And so there was an article last month from The Register talking about after years of dragging its feet, it says, the FCC finally starts tackling America's robot call, robocall surge. It involves a new law being implemented, cease and desist letters, and mobile companies asked uh, to detail their free blocking tools. So if you're with Verizon like I am, you've already seen some of this come through, but they're now from the tower, before it even gets to our phone, blocking some of these uh, known robocall schemes. They're able to kind of pick up on it a little bit better, which is awesome. Uh, reading a little bit from the article here, which was helpful, was talking about how they're using the cease and desist letters. So they were sent to a Florida company, Telza, and Ohio firm R Squared Telecom. These are two companies most Americans have never heard of, it says in the article, but they represent firm action against companies that appear to be knowingly hosting robocalls. So it's crazy right here stateside in the United States, there are companies that are setting these people up for success. They're basically giving them an on-ramp to uh, give us these robocalls. And so it's great to see that the FCC is actually uh, working with cell phone providers and also taking some of these actions seriously to uh, deter and hopefully stop these robocalls from coming in because it's only gotten worse and without any sort of action, I just see that stuff uh, continuing. And hopefully somewhere in this, they can also start working on text messages because I have started to get some uh, weird text messages from Gmail addresses and just stuff like that that come through the text, which is um, crazy uh, as well. And just annoying. I mean, all these things, as long as you're not somebody who's clicking on the links and giving them credit card information again or your your whatever information, you're fine. But it just still is really annoying to constantly be uh, not answering the phone or ignoring these calls coming through. Lastly, in our tech section, we have to once again talk about space. Three new articles this week about space. It just is, we should just call it a space section. There's going to be space news pretty much every week here because things are happening left and right. And the first one, the title of the article is Perseverance Rover Just Made Oxygen on Mars. Wow. Like, again, is this not a science fiction film right here? Like, we are now making oxygen on Mars, which is crucial if we're ever going to colonize Mars and have uh, humans on Mars. We've got to begin to create atmosphere because the Martian atmosphere is 96% carbon dioxide, which isn't much help to us who are, you know, oxygen breathers. Um, but basically, this instrument works by dividing up, I'm using the CNN article here, this instrument works by dividing up carbon dioxide molecules, 
which include one carbon atom and two oxygen atoms. It separates out the oxygen molecules and emits carbon monoxide as a waste uh, product. So sounds super simple there, but obviously it takes a device and a machine to do that. But this is huge. This is one of those things that like we can easily just click over and be like, oh, you know, okay, so they made oxygen like no, they made oxygen on Mars. This is the beginning, folks. So now they just need to make more of it and larger quantities, right, to where they can fill up buildings uh, with oxygen. But this is super, super cool news from uh, Mars. Another article I came across, which was just as amazing as making oxygen on Mars, was that NASA has successfully flown a helicopter on Mars. Like, that is so insane just to even say that. But on the Perseverance rover, they packed into this thing a small helicopter called Ingenuity, this little drone, right? It's probably not even fair to say it's a helicopter, but it flew like a helicopter on Mars. It was controlled by, f by people on Earth. Like, this is such a cool... Uh, cool thing when you think about it. It didn't fly very far, so it's kind of like the Wright brothers back when they created the first airplane, and it didn't fly very far. But this is the first time we have flown something on another planet, taken off and landed on another planet. Just another cool step towards us being uh, colonizing on Mars. It's super, super cool to see stuff like this. And finally, let's go to our last article here. NASA picks... SpaceX Starship to land its next astronauts on the moon. So NASA is going to use Elon Musk's SpaceX. They get the contract. They're putting astronauts on the moon. And uh, it's a $2.9 billion contract. And they're going to use their spaceship as part of a 24, 2024. It could be as soon as 2024, just three years from now where they use that to land on the moon. And so obviously this is, again, another huge win for SpaceX, but it's also a win for all of us in that they're going to test it and land it uh, going to Mars with, with people on the moon. So they're testing first this shorter flight to the moon and making sure it's all safe, and I'm assuming they'll run multiple um, trips and then that will be the catalyst to say, okay, we can go further now to Mars. And so that is uh, really awesome. SpaceX beat out two competitors, of course, Blue Origin, which is uh, founded by Amazon and defense contractor Dianetics. Um, those are the two losers of this deal. And so as uh, has been the case over the last five years, SpaceX just continues to leap above all the other space companies, uh, private space companies, and now NASA is going to be using them for their transport vehicle to the moon. So great news there, again, for SpaceX and for space fans as we inch to, man, just think of those three stories, putting them together again. We have oxygen created on Mars, we have a helicopter flying on Mars, and now we have the SpaceX starship this huge ship that's going to take astronauts as early as 2024 to land on the moon man there is a lot of crap going on in the world but these are things that make me excited to be alive in 2021 As featured on episode 22, our podcast sponsor is Adam Peak, my friend and independent financial planner 
Are you concerned that you aren't doing enough for retirement? Have you always wondered if you're missing out on the retirement plan offered through work? Reach out to Adam to help find the answers to these questions. You can reach Adam through multiple channels by going to adampeak.com. That's adampeak with an A, dot com. Securities offered through Sigma Financial Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. Adam Peak, 300 Parkland Plaza, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48116. Phone number 810-522-8169 or acpeak at sigmarep.com. For our faith section this week, I want to start off with a question about fear. How many of you, when you think about your daily life, your weekly rhythm, experience fear as kind of a normal part of your life? So I'm not talking about something that comes up monthly or every six months. I'm talking about something that's a daily thing for you or, or at least in your weekly rhythm, you deal with some level of fear um, in one shape or another. Our church has been doing a series on fear called Facing Our Fears and really has been addressing a lot of different angles and somewhat connected with where we're at post-pandemic, the way the world's gone through so many different things. And so I want to share with you the one from, gosh, a month ago now that I still have the talk notes to because it just definitely is a fear that I deal with. It's something that is in my weekly um schedule, life, that sort of thing. And I have, (laughs) as I wrote this down as the topic for today's discussion, I have a very real example just in the last week. And so going back to Monday of this week, I'm walking into the office and a lot of people are out sick and just there's all sorts of stuff going on with that. But I walk in and I've been at the office maybe 30 minutes and I'm sipping uh, water. I try to drink a lot of water during the day. And so I'm drinking water and out pops a piece of my tooth. Like literally that's what happens to me almost monthly is I have something in my mouth teeth wise that goes wrong. And so of course I call up the dentist and by the end of the day, thank God I appreciate my dentist. I was, I was in a dentist's office sitting in a seat, having it looked at by the end of the day. I don't take that for granted. So anyway, so I, I walk in there and, and they look at it. So I've already come in with this, uh, I'm not going to get a crown because it's always a crown. The answer, I don't know what it is with dentists, but it, it just seems like the answer is always this most expensive, like we just need to put a new tooth in. And it's like, I can't afford that. I just did that a month ago with my stimulus money. I can't afford it. I just, I'm not doing it. And so bonding is a thing, right? Like just cover this part of the tooth that fell out. Let's just get it patched up and get me on my way kind of thing. Well, I'm sitting there and, you know, she looks at it and says, you know, not only can you not um, put a crown on it, but because of the nerve, we can't do a root canal and you are going to have to get this tooth extracted Um, and basically get a bridge or an implant. And so I left there driving almost in tears, again, just being vulnerable and authentic here because that's a value. But it just, I go from like fighting off a crown, which is basically $1,000, to walking out with a $3,000 bill. Like I didn't do it yet, you know, but it's something long-term that I'm going to have to look seriously into. And so 
I set that story up, um, the story of the dentist, because the dentist is a classic example in my life of this fear. And the fear is the fear of not having enough. It is the fear of not having enough. You see, the dentist for me always seems to be this one-two punch. It just hits me in this like one-two, like right on the soul level because it's shame. It's connected with shame in my childhood and just, you know, having tooth issues my whole life that go to childhood trauma, that sort of stuff. And then it's always financial. It's like a, it's like, you know, who, who has a thousand random dollars each month to just pay for a new crown or teeth issues, right? Like it's these surprise bills. You go from like Monday morning, you know, planning out your day to suddenly you have a $3,000 bill at the end of the day. I loathe going to the dentist because of, of those reasons. It just hits me like nothing else. And so for me, this is an area that I really struggle trusting God in. Other people seem to be fine. They're just like, yeah, money is a resource. It's not the big a deal. I trust God with it. And it's like, I really, really, really wrestle with not having enough. I was in a meeting recently and we were talking about the Enneagram and relating to fears we have for, you know, similar numbers and similar similar uh, things related to the Enneagram. And we just were talking about how, for me, it's not even that I don't have money in savings. Like I can pay for some of the things that I worry about or I just still get fearful. And, th and that's where this, this talk just really hit me uh, square in the face is that even when I have enough money, I still get fearful. I still get all worked up that I can't afford it or I'm going to eventually run out of money, right? And so there's a verse, a uh, familiar passage, Matthew chapter 6, uh, 25 through 27. Jesus says this. Um, he says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, things like the dentist, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Man, I, just, I feel a release just reading that, right? Like that's... That's so huge. And, and, and I don't even want you to think it's materialism, though there can be that element, right? I mean, we just talked about all these Apple devices and things that I order. And you're like, well, Kurt, how do you, how do you justify paying for an iPad when you have all these you know, dental and medical bills and stuff? And it's like, yeah, they all get paid. I'm not going into debt. This isn't like I'm taking on massive amounts of debt. Um, but it just, for me, reveals this... Uh, fear of not having enough. And it's like, where do I put my, my trust, my security? Do I find it in my bank account? Do I find it in uh, a perceived having enough? Like, is there enough in the bank account? Is there ever enough, um, you know, bills paid? You, you fill in the blank. I think that is um, a real challenge for me. And um so there was three points that, or four points from the talk that I'll just share with you that I think, again, were really helpful and I'm still, again, thinking through their application in my life. But number one is understand your life is more than physical things. Like that's pulled right from that passage. Life is more than food and your body more than clothing. 
life is more than physical things. It's not about, again, all these things we have, having even a great set of teeth or, you know, the latest toy or the coolest car, whatever. It's life is more than that. There, there's more going on than just those things. Uh, the point number two was you are more valuable to God than his creation. And that's where we see the, the, the birds of the air, right? Like we are more valuable. Jesus, the son of God says you today are more valuable, more important, you might say to God than the animals. No, no shame on the animals. Animals are cool, but God's saying you're more valuable. And if they're taken care of, why do you worry? Why are you afraid? And I can hear some of you saying what my inner voice often says. Well, people are starving on the planet today, right? Sometimes those, those bills don't get paid. You know, we have stories where God comes through. I, of course, have those. But sometimes our teeth break, you know? Sometimes we do everything right, and, and there's still something that's, you know, the car breaks down or something. Again, we're talking primarily financially here, but, you know, it could go into other areas of relational, like, void. Like, you don't have enough friendships. You don't have enough uh, intimacy with a spouse, a loved one. Like, there's... There's needs in our lives, right? There are things that we don't have enough of. And so it can cause us to maybe feel like God doesn't care about us. But this passage, Jesus reminds us we're more valuable to God than his creation. The third point, this fear makes us look and act like the world. This fear, when I'm afraid of not having enough money in my bank account, not enough to pay for the latest thing, it makes me look like the world. These are, these are ways that Christians should be different. We shouldn't worry like the world does. We shouldn't be so overly concerned about these things because we trust that God has our best interest at heart, that he is going to take care of us. And just like in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, and even if he doesn't, Right. So it's it's this idea that we trust that God is going to come through, but we leave that little, you know, 10 percent chance. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to believe that God is is working. And so that may be very, very hard for you to look different than the world, to act different. You know, part of fitting into culture and our tribe and people in our community is to look and act the same. We want to we want to look and act the same. And sometimes that's the way that we worry, right? If, if everybody around us is complaining and worrying about things, then we want to fit in with that. And so we start to sing the same tune. We start to worry and talk about the same stuff. But again, Jesus says we shouldn't let that dominate our thoughts, as it says in Matthew 6.32. Um, finally, again, maybe a prescription, an idea, a takeaway is, is point four, which is prioritize God's kingdom in your life. And that's where it, Jesus ends this passage, Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek first or seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So if we put God first, his kingdom, his economy, his, his will in our lives first, then all these other things we worry about, that the clothes, the food, the shelter, the, again, needs. God will meet all of our needs. All those things will work out. But here in America, again, we have a very prescribed idea of what that looks like. That means he's going to pay my, my Mercedes-Benz car payment? Not necessarily, right? Like, that doesn't mean he's going to necessarily give me a house. You guys have known, maybe you don't remember, but I've talked about wanting to get into a house. I want to own my first home. 
right? That's a very American thing. Who says that God's going to give me or even wants me to be in a home, uh, a house that I own? Maybe he wants me to rent for some reason. Maybe he wants me to stay in this apartment community because there's people who need to know Jesus in my community. I don't know. But I just think sometimes we buy into this idea that the kingdom of God in America is to have all these things, these material things equal Jesus or God coming through for us, when sometimes I think the opposite is true. And he wants us to be dependent and he wants us to be in a place of need and dependence on him. Um, that, again, may be hard for some of you to um, do that you know, to trust God with that. I know it is for me. And and the final point is giving away things, you know, generosity and how that is a way um, to combat this fear of not having enough. Um, just releasing, holding loosely uh, the things you have in your life. You know, it's like if somebody needs the coat on my back, here you go. I just bought it last week. Or here's the shoes on my feet from the Nike store. Like, I have these things, but I'm going to hold on to them lightly. And if somebody asks me for them or needs them, uh, I'm willing to let go of it. I'm willing to uh, give it away, not to hoard or to hold on too tightly to these material things uh, in my life. Because in that, I'm showing the world and I'm showing God that I trust him with things, that I trust him that he is enough. I may not always have enough, but God is enough and he will take me uh, take care of me regardless of what my bank account looks like, how many teeth I have in my mouth, uh, what kind of shirts I'm wearing, um, you, you fill in the blank. And so I don't know if any of this connected with you. It might be one of those things that you don't relate to because this isn't one of your fears. Um, but I know for many, um, this fear of not having enough is a very tangible and real fear that's hard to let go and to trust God with. And so I haven't figured it out, um, but I am working towards it. I am um, opening this area of my life up to God and asking for his help. And so I would do the same. I ask the same for you, that if this is a fear that you deal with, that you would um, honestly deal with it with God, you know, that you put it before him and not fake it, not pretend that you've, you know, bow tied it and got it all figured out and pretend like a lot of Christians do, but that you uh, just have a conversation about it, that you admit to him uh, with words verbally that this is a fear that you deal with and for him to show that he can be trusted because I think that's the core of it is trusting God uh, with the stuff in our lives. Whether we have a lot or we have a little, uh, we still need to trust God with it. And so I hope that was encouraging to you and uh, appreciate your time. That is a wrap for episode 33. If you like what you heard today, be sure and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Culture Christian Podcast. Please like and interact with us over on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email them over to us at culturedchristians at gmail.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you in the next one.